It is another edition of the Matt Berry Show here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel. Today, I'm excited about today's episode for a couple of reasons. One, I just like the guy, and he's got a great name, Matt Miller. And two, <laughs> this is a great time of year for college football fans because some of your favorite players that you watched all fall, maybe you saw them develop as freshmen through seniors, although that's a rarity nowadays, but some of your favorite players from your favorite college team are now getting prepared for the upcoming NFL draft. And that's where Matt Miller comes in at NFL draft scout on X and an ESPN NFL draft analyst. So Matt, we appreciate your time today. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to talking about some of these players with you. Yeah, no, it's great. We got to hang out in mobile and, and watch some fantastic practices and get to know some of these players, which is so important. I, I know for me to just get eyes on these players, you can watch all the film you want, but there's something to watching these guys actually practice and play in person. So I, I'm excited to, like you said, kind of introduce people to this draft class a little bit. And, and let me, I have a pet peeve. I need to get off my chest real quick. And those who, who watch the show know that I, I have these from time to time. My pet peeve is this Matt Miller and no disrespect to NFL, the NFL people, the NFL scouts. This is an NFL event, the draft make no bones about it. This is an NFL event. But this is also a college football sponsored event yeah. because the NFL people, candidly, are learning about the college players. And Matt, as you know, sometimes there's a separation of worlds. Like there are people that are all NFL and that's just what they do. They're mm -hmm. NFL. And then there's people like me who are pretty much, you know, 75% college where all I do is college. And so it's kind of a, a, a crossover event, if you will. Yeah, that's why I fell in love with the NFL draft when I was like eight years old was because I, you know, growing up obsessed with college football, it was like, why aren't these guys being drafted early or why aren't they playing in the NFL like I expect them to? And so I think for us college football obsessed people, like I still consider myself a college football fan more than I am an NFL fan. And it's it's like a graduation. You know, you've watched these right. players for two, three, four, now five, six, seven years in some cases. And you want to see, okay, where do they go? Like, we're going to send them out into the world. What are they going to become? What are they going to do? And it's it's like, it's so much fun for me to do that, whether it be as a fan or as an analyst, to, to have watched players for a couple of years and then see, okay, how, do, how does the NFL feel about this player? And then, you know, can they even prove the NFL wrong? Like, like our guy Brock Purdy is doing right now. So it's, that's the, the fascinating part of it for me. Yeah, and you kind of dove into a topic there, and, and we'll get into that here in a minute with some of the guys we saw at the Senior Bowl, but Brock Purdy's a great example of it. Basically, what the San Francisco 49ers were saying when they took him as Mr. Irrelevant, final pick of the draft. By the way, he's only been in the league for two years. Basically, what San Francisco was saying, Matt, and you know this, is like, you know what? What the hell? We're going to take a flyer on Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was essentially a flyer pick because he had a little piss and vinegar in him coming out of college, played a lot of college football, and now in his second year, he's got the San Francisco 49ers in a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I live in Big 12 country. It's, Brock Purdy was not a guy you worried about every Saturday. You know, if, you're, if your team was playing Iowa State, you weren't like, man, we better watch out for that quarterback. He's got some juice. You know, he was just – he was accurate, smart, poised, super tough, and, and that works really well. But you're right. I mean, don't let anyone lie to you. Pick 262. They were not expecting Brock Purdy to even make the team at that point. You know, you've got – Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. And you're like, yeah, you know, we need a, we need an extra arm in training camp and here we go. But uh, he's, he's certainly turned it into a huge opportunity. Okay. So I'm going to use that as a jumping off point, because as you know, better than anyone drafting is an inexact science. 
And in fact, yeah. it almost reminds me of baseball where if you fail six out of 10 times, you're in the hall of fame because you're batting 400 for your career, yeah. which it's impossible to do. And so for me, the, the draft process is kind of similar in that you want to hit. I mean, you're drafting these guys to hit, but the statistics don't back that up. And so with Purdy, you're thinking, okay, you didn't expect seventh round guy to hit. And that leads me to this. I'm glad you brought up that same draft because it was one, two, three. There was Trevor Lawrence. There was Zach Wilson and Trey Lance. Oops. I think Justin Fields was in that draft too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, as well as Mac Jones. We had five quarterbacks in the top 15. Okay, and there you go. And in your first mock draft, you've got five quarterbacks in the first round, so it's a good jumping-off point because the one, two, three in that draft, you're like, oh, okay, well, one of them is hit. Mac Jones is not going to hit. So that's three of the five right. that haven't hit, and I put kind of an asterisk half on Justin Fields. So one and a half to this point have hit. In your first mock draft that you released for ESPN.com, you've got Caleb Williams, one to the Bears, Drake May, two to the Commanders, Jaden Daniels, three uh, to the Patriots, and then Bo Nix, 12th to the Broncos, J.J. McCarthy, 13th to the Raiders. Those are your five first-round quarterbacks. The top three to me are intriguing because based on history, someone's not going to hit. Right. Maybe, maybe, I mean, one might, none might is the sad reality of it. And, you know, we can go back to the the Patrick Mahomes draft. The Bears take Mitchell Trubisky at two. That didn't work out, you know, and Deshaun Watson in Houston, I would say those results that he gave you in Houston, the fact that he's on another team now says that that pick didn't work out. So it is the reality of it. I do think that this year's quarterback group, they are all uniquely situated to do very well we talk so much about environment and situation and how much it matters. You know, Mahomes, Purdy are great examples of that situation matters so much for them. And I, I do think, you know, for Caleb Williams, if he goes first to Chicago, you've got a good offensive line. You've got a number one receiver, DJ Moore. You've got a good tight end, Nicole Komet. But it's so much about the coaching staff. And for all the buzz about Cliff Kingsbury going to the commanders, Cliff Kingsbury has yet to develop a quarterback in the NFL. Cliff Kingsbury is still cashing some checks off having Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. So, you know, and then three with New England, who knows, right? Who knows what that's going to look like? Because, you know, it's a completely different regime, even though it's a lot of the same faces. So I think with these quarterbacks, none of them are walking into a, a great, you know, kind of environment to thrive, but they're also good at the, you know, creative second effort type things where sure. hey, you're going to kind of have to run around and make some plays, you know, make, whomever goes to Chicago has the best situation, but you know, if you're going to Washington, that offensive line's terrible. Sam Howell was the second most sacked quarterback in the NFL last year, new England's offensive line, terrible. They have no wide receivers. So these guys, we're going to have to give them a little bit of time to see what they can become. Kind of like Trevor Lawrence, that first year was Rocky. And then we started to see the progress, but so it's so important that, you know, these guys not only are given some time, but that these teams then try to draft around them. You know, Philly did a great job with Jalen Hurts of, okay, we've got a guy we believe in. Let's build around him. Buffalo with Josh Allen did the same thing. So I would say if you're a fan of one of those three teams, yes, these quarterbacks are great. They could all become hits, but you've got to make sure you're surrounded them with the right talent and the right supporting staff. See, here's why I think the Caleb Williams, USC, Lincoln Riley, Cliff Kingsbury thing becomes interesting because – Depending on who you talk to, he's a generational talent, or he got away with a lot in college that he wouldn't be able to get away with in the NFL. Depending on what radio show you listen to, there are <laughs> rumors that Caleb wants nothing to do with Chicago, although said radio show has backed off that stance a little bit. But yeah. with Caleb, 
the fit fit to me is something that I believe the NFL gets wrong all of the time. They get yes. fit wrong all of the time. And you kept your head coach and Matt Eberflus in Chicago. Justin Fields showed flashes. To me, the Bears aren't a lock to stay at one to draft Caleb. And that's where the Cliff Kingsbury thing comes in with, with fit in the NFL. If I'm an NFL general manager, owner, head coach, and I am literally placing my career in the hands of the quarterback that I draft, it's not coincidence. The Cardinals did it with Cliff Kingsbury when they right. purposely signed him as head coach to draft Kyler Murray. And so, yeah. to me, Caleb's in a about similar situation. Yeah. You know, like where Kyler, you remember being at the Super Bowl and Kyler's there doing Gatorade interviews and it's like not answering Dan Patrick's questions. Like, are you going to play baseball or football? And he's like, I don't know. You know, I think that was the last time we saw a quarterback who had the power to say, I don't want to go there. I'll go play baseball. I was a top 10 pick in baseball. I'll just go do that if I don't like the situation. So Arizona hires Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I've been told stories about that interview process that Cliff comes in one year after they draft Josh Rosen, Cliff comes in and says, I'm taking Kyler first overall. Like, that's my guy. He'll play for me. So I do think, to your point, there is that if Chicago doesn't take uh, Caleb Williams, then Washington has done a very, very smart thing by grabbing the guy that we know Caleb will work with, that we know he will play with. There's a connection there. Lincoln Riley has spoken on it, even though they were only together for a year. There's obviously a trust factor there. So whether Chicago says, Hey, we like Justin Fields. We'll trade the pick, which is certainly, you know, something they have to entertain. Or if they say, you know what, we kind of like Drake May. We'll we'll flip the pick with you and we'll take Drake May or we'll take Jaden Daniels. So Ryan Poles has a chance. He did this last year when they traded out number one overall. He has a chance to, to do something special if they're, you know, there's conviction in Justin Fields or one of the other quarterbacks. And then I think that Kingsbury hire does get much more interesting as well as the fact that Caleb is from the D.C. suburbs. Definitely makes that interesting too. So allow me some conspiracy theories for you for a minute. One, it, <laughs> I, I find it very coincidental that Cliff Kingsbury was, I mean, a pen stroke away from being the offense coordinator of the Raiders. All of a sudden that falls through. And now he goes to the team that's got the number two pick for a quarterback that, that could go high. That's conspiracy theory number one. And I love, if you look at the juxtaposition of the North Carolina Tar Heels in the top three of the draft, <laughs> Listen to the, the, it's absolutely hilarious to me that what North Carolina could do here for a minute. I'm going to give you the lineage of North Carolina quarterbacks right now in the NFL and how it affects Mitch Trubisky. You just brought him up, played very little football at North Carolina, had a good pro day, had a good season. People like the measurables. He's overdrafted. We know how that worked out. Sam Howell got his opportunity for the commanders. Again, bad offensive line, same touchdown interception ratio. Wasn't good. It appears they're ready to move on from him. So you're telling me the Bears with the number one overall pick, Drake May, <laughs> they draft Mitch Trubisky, right. North Carolina quarterback, and now Drake yeah. is sitting there. And then Drake May, North Carolina, sitting there with Sam Howell, a guy who he replaced at North Carolina, is right. sitting there. I never thought there'd be the three degrees of separation of North Carolina quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. The best thing for Drake May might be to go to New England, where he can just wash his hands of you know the the helmet scouting that will happen with the North Carolina quarterbacks. But no, I've I've brought that point up, Matt. Of like, can the Commanders really take another UNC quarterback? The Bears, I I kind of forgotten about. It. It's been six seven years. You kind of forget that they also did that as well. But uh, I do think you know when you break it down, 
Caleb's the best quarterback in the draft. If the Bears are going to draft a quarterback, take Caleb and yeah. show him the nicest, you know, penthouse downtown overlooking the lake. He's probably going to be pretty happy. And and I would say to him, you know, I do think there there is some almost recruiting going on with these general managers and team presidents as it relates to Caleb Williams at this point. Not that he's ever come out and said, I won't play for Chicago or anything like that, but you want to impress upon him your situation. And if I'm Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren, the Bears presentation is we actually have the best offensive roster for you. The commander's offensive line is not good there. And they don't have another pick in the top 10 like the Bears do. The Bears could say, hey, we'll go get your former high school teammate, Olu Fashanu, and plug him in a left tackle. You know, or we'll trap Roma Dunze. Like we're going to build around you with two with an extra top 10 pick. They're going to get a second round pick for Justin Fields, most likely. So they really do have the most attractive offer. If if Caleb Williams is listening to those things, I, I think Chicago can spin the best story of we actually have something kind of nice going on here. And, I, and I'm one of those. We could spin this into a whole NFL thing where I think getting rid of Justin Fields would be a mistake with the draft capital you have. You, the devil, you know, you can get in a Dunesay, Marvin Harrison, uh, Malik Neighbors. You can grab a stud receiver get yeah. draft equity, get an offensive lineman and figure it out. But that's neither here nor there. They'll do that on an NFL show. I want to talk about Jaden Daniels, LSU, SEC defenses. Uh, Jaden, I had a nice conversation with Brian Kelly out in Mobile. And he said Jaden did a really, really good job after the initial shock of it all, coming to the SEC, of adapting yeah. and making plays. And so for you, how much of watching Jaden Daniels play – in the SEC, because we're being fair, Caleb, Pac-12 guy, Drake May, ACC guy, mm -hmm. Jaden Daniels probably saw the best of the best, and he's probably got the best tape in terms of what NFL athletes look like to play against. Oh, absolutely. There's a comfort factor when you do my job of, well, I watched this guy for two years against SEC defenses, and he, this past year, had 50 total touchdowns, rushed for 1,200 yards, you know, really put that team on his back, improved as a pocket passer, improved as a deep ball passer, it, it does give you a comfort level. You're, you're right, though, and, and Brian's absolutely right. There were times in 2022, you're watching Jaden Daniels get ragdolled by right. Alabama defensive linemen. You're right. like, dude, you weigh 175 pounds. This is not a good idea. You know, it, this is not good for career longevity. I thought he got better this year. There were still times early in the year, I think it was the Florida State game, in fact, where he's just getting thrown around. And I think we did see that throttle down over the course of the year. And that's – that's going to have to be the case. They do protect you much better in the NFL at quarterback than they do in the SEC, but it takes a little bit of time. You're not getting those calls as a rookie. You know, we, we saw that with Will Levis this year. So I think for Jaden, there are going to be conversations about the weight and the play style. They're absolutely going to be there. Lamar Jackson's about to win an MVP award. He's not much bigger. And so I think the key for Jaden is to learn how to be slippery like Lamar yeah, is. Yeah. How to use that lean frame to – Turn sideways. You know, there's a play against the Chiefs where Lamar Jackson just stops, turns sideways, defender scoots in front of him. Jaden's going to have to learn to play more like that and less like Josh Allen. You know, you're you're not 250 pounds. Let's let's try to make guys miss. So my conspiracy theory, and, and I'm glad this is going to be on tape because it's either going to be right or wrong. <laughs> I add, and this isn't anything against your mock draft, but I absolutely loathe Jaden Daniels to the Patriots. I hate it for several reasons, and one of them goes back to fit. Jaden Daniels is born and raised in California, started his college ball at Arizona State, transferred to the South in LSU. There is nothing that screams more uncomfortable <laughs> to me than a kid used to warm weather playing in New England with the elements that he's just not accustomed to. And for that reason yeah. and familiarity with the head coach, 
I would bet the Raiders and Antonio Pierce find a way to come up and draft Jaden Daniels because one, Antonio's relationship with him at Arizona State, and two, what a fit. AFC West, you play your home games indoors. To me, that's how Jaden's going to thrive, not in November, December, and January at Foxborough. Yeah, and I, you know, I love that theory. Uh, I didn't do trades in this mock draft. I'm going to steal that one for the next one because I oh, like that so much. Yeah, yes, I'll give you a credit in the in the write up. But you know, with New England, I, I said this on on SportsCenter with you yesterday. I think was like, I don't know who who to call in New England if I want to trade for that pick. Who's the general manager? Is Gerard Mayo answering the phone? <laughs> Is Jonathan Kraft answering the phone? Like, who's running the show in New England? That's the the hard part right now. So it's they're they've always been a tough team to kind of predict what they would do in the Belichick era it might be harder now because there's no clear cut voice in, in that franchise right now to, and to that point, I could see them saying, you know, we're not ready to draft a quarterback. Let's trade out. Let's get an offensive tackle. Let's get a wide receiver. You know, we'll, we've got a couple guys here under contract and Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi bring in a veteran, like a Jacoby Brissett, if you have to, but they, they might be a team that's actually not ready to draft a quarterback yet. Yeah, and you speak of the receivers in your mock draft after you do the one, two, three with the quarterbacks, four, five, and six, Harrison, Neighbors, Adunze, um, Chargers, Arizona Chargers, and then Giants. How would you rate overall? Because look, out there at the senior bowl, we were we were like Luke McCaffrey's a damn good receiver. Uh yeah. Jackson out of Tulane, he's gonna be a player in the end. Like there were a lot of guys that we saw that are gonna be later round picks that are gonna be good. But then you've got these guys in the first round. I mean, college football is handing the NFL maybe one of the better receiver classes we've ever seen. Yeah, certainly in terms of that many players being in the top. You know, we've seen great prospects come out. You know, Jamar Chase uh, was certainly one of those uh, pretty recently. But I think this year where you have three legit elite players, is it makes it so special. And they're all different is what makes it fun. You know, Marvin Harrison's 6'4", 210, and he's just this silky smooth route runner. Then you have neighbors that's six foot 200 pounds who is – uncatchable once he gets the ball in his hands his his yards after catchability are amazing you know he's gonna instantly be that type of big play weapon and then Adunze who is a bully on the 50-50 ball he's so great running through contact uh he tracks the ball exceptionally well so you got three different flavors of ice cream basically and you just have to pick which one you like they're all good it's just which which flavor is your favorite and it is really special that we're gonna see I truly believe we could see three quarterbacks and then three wide receivers come off the board, not just because of team need, but because if you're looking at who are the best players available, I have Marvin Harrison as my second best player in the draft. I have Malik Neighbors as my third best player in the draft. And then I have Roma Dunes as my sixth best player in the draft. So these are the players that are certainly worthy of being drafted that highly. And any of them would be a number one receiver in most draft classes. They're really that special. Yes. Yeah, so and if you're sitting there and for one of these teams, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Daniel Jones, quarterback's pretty much set. So now you've got the luxury of the quarterback needy teams, maybe reaching out a quarterback when the best player in the draft could be the receiver that you're going to get uh, for your franchise quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, one of the big conversations we had in Mobile, five of the top 10 rated quarterbacks were down there. One of them, Bo Nix, who here's why I like Bo. You're the scout. I'll toss it to you. But I, the one thing I love about Bo is the one thing I used when I'm fighting all these idiots that think Brock Purdy isn't, isn't a good story. What is the one thing you could say about Brock Purdy coming out of college? He played a lot of college football. Yep. Bo Nix has played five years of college football. There's no debate that he is football tested and smart. It showed in Mobile. Will it show on draft day? 
It will, absolutely. And it's, it's showing in the interviews already. You know, coming out of Mobile, talking to teams, my favorite question to ask general managers, who is your best interview? And then who is your worst interview? Uh, best interview so far, Bo Nix is, is dominating those. People love him. And, and here's the thing that comes up a lot is he's battled through adversity. He went to Auburn as like the favorite son. You know, dad played here. You're going to be a legend. And it didn't work. And he had to go reinvent himself at Oregon. And he put in the work to get better. And he put in the work to learn a new scheme. And to become a leader to that group, going from the Southeast to the Pacific Northwest. You know, completely changing his environment. And, it, and he thrived over the last two years there. So uh, scouts I've talked to love that that trait in Bo Nix that he has overcome. And that he's, you know, he's accurate. He's intelligent. He's a much better athlete than I think he's given credit for because he, he wasn't asked to run a whole lot at Oregon. But, but you see it when you watch him play. And you know, I, I wrote this this week. Jared Goff was a comp that comes up a lot when you talk to scouts about Bo Nix. Somebody that's just going to be very, very steady. The moment's never going to be too big for him. But like a more athletic Jared Goff where he can at least get out of the pocket and give you some plus yardage there. You have him 12th to the Broncos. I think Sean Payton would salivate if Bo Nix – and by the way, he's bigger than I thought. Standing up next yeah, to him. Yeah, right. You know, so Bo Nix and the Broncos and Sean Payton and a quarterback whisperer, you talk about like fits made in heaven. That That could really be it for the Broncos. Yeah, timing-based, everything's timing-based with Sean Payton. And, and Bo Nix does that well. I mean, we saw it at Oregon. They th they do throw a lot near an Atlanta scrimmage, let their guys go make plays. But the timing-based stuff, it, that was what blew me away, especially the last day in Mobile. I thought the timing-based accuracy from Nix, we were seeing a lot more red zone install, a lot more one-on-ones. He really thrived in that environment. And I think if Sean Payton's going to go with a rookie quarterback, it has to be someone who's experienced. That's why I think Bo Nix over J.J. McCarthy for them because you need the experience factor if you're going to come play for Sean Payton. A guy who's thrown 400 passes the last two years like J.J. McCarthy, you just haven't played enough football yet to come in and, and be that guy right away. And an offense is going to be that complicated. So the defending national champion, Michigan Wolverines, Roman Wilson is going to be talked about a lot. He was there in Mobile. He had a nice week. Blake Quorum, record-setting yeah. running back. But they were all led by the quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. And I don't want this to sound like a slight on Jim Harbaugh because it's really not. But Michigan, all they had to do was line up and beat the hell out of the people and run the ball. They didn't really need McCarthy to beat many teams. There were times where he could, and he would make throws like he did in the national championship game or like he did against Ohio State. And you're like, my God, that kid has got a howitzer of an arm. But we didn't see a lot of J.J. this year because they didn't need him to be that guy. You have him in the first round. Is it because J.J., the oh, my God, is there, and he's another guy that has everything, he just needs the good fit? Yeah, definitely. I, all the tools are there. They're just kind of waiting to come out. You know, it's uh, what did Mahomes say this week? He's got a six-pack. It's just under the dad bod. It's J.J. McCarthy. <laughs> you know, the, the traits are just a little hidden right now. We just need somebody to bring them out. And, you know, Harbaugh is on record saying he should be the first quarterback drafted. I know he's defending his guy, but I'll tell you, I've talked to so many scouts, one in particular who said J.J. McCarthy would be Joe Burrow if he were on a team that threw the ball. And you're like, okay, like there's a lot of love for J.J. McCarthy among the scouting community. He's tough as hell. He's got a big arm. He's a very good athlete. And he's coachable. That's something that comes up all the time. Of That guy went to Michigan where they didn't throw the ball in the second half against Penn State, and he never whined to the media one time. It was never a problem. He just went out and won every game but one he started in college football. And NFL coaches and scouts love that trade in a guy who's coachable, works his tail off, 
and then does have those plus level traits. So the, the fit is going to matter. There's probably going to be some bumps just because he hasn't thrown the right. football as much as these other guys. He hasn't seen as many defenses. And I, they play good defense in the Big Ten, but he just hasn't seen, you know, the the five years of starts like a Bo Nix or a Michael Penix. Uh, so that's probably going to come up, but I think he's going to put on a show at the Combine if he chooses to throw there. Yeah, and that's going to be one of those guys. And, and he, I don't like it when guys start shooting up draft boards because I, I I think it puts so much undue pressure on them. If they were kind of hanging around where they needed to be mid to bottom of the first round, they have a pro day. Zach Wilson, prime example. Zach Wilson coming yep. out of BYU. If you watch Zach Wilson's BYU tape, you're like, my God, that kid's amazing. Was kind of hanging out near the middle. And then the pro day and the combine, he's making all those off-balance 60-yard throws, shoots him up, and now who knows yep. what's going to be of Zach Wilson. I just hope that's not J.J. McCarthy because I think he's a really, really good football player. Okay, Michael Penix Jr., Washington. He was the darling of college football, as were the Huskies, Roma Dunze, all of the receivers that they had there, McMillan. They, I mean, they were awesome. But now he's kind of fallen down the board. Why? Well, I think he got, like, to your point, I think he got overinflated after the Texas game. And he carved up Texas. There's no mistake about that. It's one of the best passing games I've seen from a college quarterback in a long time. But before the Texas game, Michael Penix was the second-round pick. After the Michigan game, Michael Penix was the second-round pick. There was just that 10-day span there after the Texas game where people were like, oh, wait, that, that was a flawless performance. It, it all goes back to some of the things that we don't see on the field. Four years in Indiana ended in season-ending injuries. He's had two ACL tears on the right leg, which as a, a left-footed thrower, you worry about that a little bit because it's your back leg. He's had two shoulder injuries. Those things do matter. And I, I think for Penix, until the medical evaluation happens at the combine, it's going to be very hard to put a firm you know, dot on his grade. You're not going to be able to say, okay, here it is. I'm writing this ink. Here we go. Because – as a thrower, it's beautiful at times. And I, I think in, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, he was the best thrower there. Just through the three days of practice, he was the best thrower there. You know, there are some things you would need to clean up. The footwork does not follow the arm. He's all upper body as a thrower, even though he's got world-class arm strength. The accuracy suffers, especially when he's asked to move because he doesn't bring his feet with his arm. Uh, that can be coached out. That can be fixed. But, you know, he's looked at as a guy now who's six years college football. You're probably not quite ready to play in the NFL because of some of the mechanical stuff. And we've got the injuries to figure out. So I think that's why a player who was so amazing, Heisman Trophy runner-up, two great years at Washington where you're injury-free, that's why he's not in the same conversation as those other five quarterbacks that we've talked about. And you currently have him 42 to the Vikings in your first mock draft. Okay, last two, we'll get you out of here. First one, give me the small school player, group of five or smaller player that college football fans – are just going to cheer for that it's going to make it good in the NFL? Oh, that is, it's tough to, to pick there, but I think Javon Baker, the wide receiver from Central Florida, uh, had a great senior bowl week. In fact, I, I went back and converted my notebook to my online notes this week, and I wrote his name down so many times. like, this guy's making red zone catches. He's making explosive plays after the catch. So as you mentioned, there were a lot of great wide receivers down there, and we could do a three-hour show just talking about this wide receiver Good. class. But, yeah, Baker's the guy who, you know, just com consistently stood out. But you mentioned Luke McCaffrey, too. Luke McCaffrey had a damn good week. That dude can ball. And uh, I'd never seen him play in person, but I, I was very, very impressed by how he played. Give me a comp on Javon Baker. Oh, man. Off the top of my head, Tyler Boyd, maybe. Cincinnati okay. Bengals, somebody who like a really good slot receiver. He maybe has a little more juice than Tyler Boyd, though. You know, but I think body type, 
the way they adjust to the ball, some of that, the concentration stuff they're able to do. Uh, Baker's going to be a player in the league for sure. All right, final one for me. If you had to put all of your chips in, mortgage, paycheck, everything on one player that's going to be a franchise cornerstone from this draft, who would it be and why? Oh, my goodness. I'll take Joe Alt. I'm going to play it safe. I'll take Joe Alt, the left tackle from Notre Dame. <laughs> left tackles don't really bust that much. You know, I, I feel very safe there. Started three years at Notre Dame. Uh, great athleticism. Really good run block. Really, I mean, pass pro is flawless. I think he gave up one sack the last two years. So if I have to put all those chips on the table, I'll, I'll go very, very safe here. I remember talking to uh, uh, Scott McLuhan, who was the GM of the Washington Commanders back in the day, and it was going to be his first draft there. And he said, your first pick with a franchise, it's just got to be a single. Too many people try to hit a home run. And they drafted Brandon Scherf, who ended up being like an all-pro guard. Not the sexy pick, but their first pick was an all-pro. You could always go back to that. So I'll, I'll do the same thing here and take Joe Alt. Look, that's what we're trying to do. You're trying to be safe and protect your livelihood yeah. with your mortgage and your paycheck. Right. And you do that with the left tackle. I lied. I'm going to give you one last thing. As I gave you the conspiracy theory that the Raiders will come up and draft Jaden Daniels, I'm also going to stay quarterback for this one. In the next three years, I believe the quarterback out of this draft that is going to be turning more heads positively in the NFL is going to be Spencer Rattler. Ooh, that's, I mean, that's a deep cut there. Um, I don't think you're crazy because again, it goes back to your, your fit matters conversation and he's probably going to be a third round pick, maybe, maybe a fourth round pick at latest. Uh, the arm is there. Mobility is there. And as I was saying with Bo Nick, Spencer Rattler really reinvented himself. You know, he was seen as this, you know, kind of entitled young man when he got to Oklahoma and have all that early success. You're told you're going to be a first-round draft pick. And then you get benched a halftime of your rivalry game for Caleb Williams, who goes on to do amazing things. You got to transfer to South Carolina. It's very, very different situation in South Carolina than Oklahoma. So I I don't think you uh, – it's not crazy to say that Rattler could be the guy three years from now that we're talking about. I'm just telling you, if he goes to a place like New Orleans where he can cook, Minnesota – where yeah. they've got a guy, you if he goes to a team that's got a starter for now, that's a year and a half, two years away from needing to make the move. If he goes to that kind of team, yeah, I think that he could be a guy we look back on and be like, man, they got him. Like, I mean, the deck Dak Prescott's a decent comp here because he was a fourth round pick of the Dallas Cowboys yeah. at the time. They had Tony Romo and Kellen Moore. He was, I mean, he was down the depth chart because of injuries through preseason. He came up and you know the rest is history now. But to me, fit, hell, Spencer Rattler with the Cowboys. Give him. Or the Falcons. Go right. to the Falcons where it's like. No, no, no. They, I don't I mean, think I see the Falcons need know? a quarterback now. I don't think that'd be like. That's fair. Yeah. Spencer needs, because he is so talented. If he had, like I said, a season and a half to cook. We're going to come back. Yeah. We're going to revisit this. And when Jaden Daniels is on the Raiders, we're, we're going to have a field day with it. Hey, right. man, good stuff, man. This was fun. We'll, we'll check in with you right before the draft to see if there's any movers and shakers that's been going on after the pro days and the combine. And then we'll revisit after the draft sometime in May. Matt Miller, NFL Draft Scout, we appreciate your time. Uh, good luck. When's your next mock coming out, by the way? Hopefully a while. I think March. I think it's the end right. of March, but it's a full it's a full seven round mock draft. So it's going to take me that long to write it. So we, we've got a little bit of time. As always, you can find those on ESPN.com. Been another edition of the Matt Berry Show here on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel.